filmmaking covers a variety of genres, and during the 1990s, one in particular saw a resurgence, the big-budget disaster flick. It's coming! It's headed right for us! It's already here. For two science-obsessed kids growing up on opposite sides of Pennsylvania, nothing left a bigger impression than Twister. The suck zone. I think we're going in! Join Kelly and Joe as they dissect the second highest grossing film of 1996. We have to breathe, Jesse, we have to breathe! Minute by minute. Another cow! Actually, I think that was the same one. And relive one of their favorite movies of all time. No, that, that was a good sized twister. What was that, an F3? Solid F2. Tornado warning continues now. All right, welcome back to the Solid F2 podcast with your host Kelly and Joe Mays here to talk about the eighth minute of the 1996 film Twister. So we pick up right where we left off on the last episode at the uh, conclusion of minute seven with Joe on top of Belter's truck working on the radar system. And throughout this next minute, we're going to be introduced to uh, a few more of the minor characters and uh, finally see Bill and Dr. Melissa arrive uh, at the uh, location in Oklahoma with the all the storm chasers, which, as you'll hear, Bill is not anticipating. So let's uh, take a watch or a listen to the eighth minute of the film. Sorry, Joe. That's good. Give me a rating. Okay, boss lady. Hold your horse. Which way do you want it, Joe? Looks like the dry line is stalled. Give me a sector scan west, northwest. Look at mid-levels for rotation and increase the PRF. All I'm saying is don't fold the maps. I didn't fold the map. Yeah, well, Kansas is a mess. There's a big crease right through Wichita. Roll the maps. What do you know? The storm chasers. Hey! I don't believe it! Who is that handsome devil? So there you have it. That is the eighth minute of the movie Twister. And there's actually, I think there's a lot to talk about uh, in this minute just because of the number of new characters that we see. And then we have uh, Joe talking some, uh, you know, weather jargon. We got a, a little bit of a glossary of terms. We get to see um, a storm. And um, yeah. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in this minute. So well, finally. <laughs> right? We're, we're finally getting there. This feels like, to us, it's been a long time. I know. But eight minutes into a film is not that long. No, it's not. I mean, obviously, because this is one of our, you know, easily top ten, top five, I mean, for you, I think top three movies of all time. So we don't care that 
no. the first eight minutes appear slow. But when you're watching for the first time, it all makes sense. We've seen this movie so many times that uh, we're just kind of like, all right, let's get going. Let's get going. So here in minute eight, uh, we start with Joe on top of the the Belcher mobile, you know, with that really, might I say, bitchin' artwork it's on bitchin'. the side. It is really, <laughs> really something. Is. I mean, it's good stuff. It, it is good stuff for sure. So um, let's start there. I'll turn the volume down so we can kind of talk over it. Let me know if you need me to pause it before I stop it here. And uh, we'll see. I know I've mentioned this before. I'm not sure which episode it was, but it has such a great soundtrack, this whole movie. Mm-hmm. We come in here. Tori Amos, Tallulah. It's a good song. Random shed full of hay. <laughs> I like her bucket hat. Right, and and the classic nineties. We're seeing there um, Wendell. She looks like a pearl jam. Josepher uh, again, not someone that was given a nickname nor a full name. The character is just known as Haynes. My guess is she's a graduate student. I think they um, all are. Right, believe are they all graduate students? I thought some of them were were, uh, were well, meteorologists, I, researchers. I didn't think they were all. I mean, maybe they're all going for masters, postdocs. Whatever. I guess I assume they were all grad students because it's Dr. Joe Harding. He referred to her as professor. Okay. Their grant money came from the university. I just assumed, knowing how universities work and having been to grad school, that she's the the supervisor. The the, of the group. And. I guess I assumed there was kind of like a mix of all of them. Like there were a few professors there. There were maybe some, you know, teaching assistants that are in the postdoc track. Oh, there could master be master students because yeah, I, I still one of the other characters we haven't students, seen so. yet, I feel like is only um, maybe even an undergrad at this point, but they all are from, I believe, the fictional college Muskegee State, I think is the Muskegee, Muskegee? Muskegee College. I thought it was Muskegee. Hmm. Hmm. Have to get a, a phonics hmm, lesson in here. Have to. <laughs> I, I, I always said Muskegee. Hmm. I wonder what this cow's Mus- in the background. Muskegee. Horses? We'll have a Muskegee. Cow. Not not great with the Native American. I can't tell what animals those are. I think they're cows and horses. All right. Well, that makes me feel better that I. But let's take a look at that beautiful at. computer. That very wonderful mid nineties laptop. That's, that's also f- thicker than quite nice. I like his jean jacket. The jean jacket. Not I bet really. he's wearing jean pants too, and that's that's a winning combination. Just denim head to toe. Belzer. Maybe it has something to do with denim. We can look into that. We'll have to look into that. Um, but yeah, so uh, Wendell Josepher, the actor playing uh, the character of Haynes, as she's introduced here in the background to Belter's conversation with Joe, and they are getting ready to discuss some meteorology. Um, related to the radar and the uh, upcoming storm, or the one they're trying to track, and uh, let's hear what 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 terms he mentions here. Like the dry line is stalled. Give me a sector scan west northwest. Look at mid levels for rotation and increase the PRF. So we see a really nice uh, anvil cloud, a, a supercell thunderstorm setting up there. Um, and she throws out some meteorological terms. I'm actually quite impressed that she can tell a dry line is stalled just by looking at the sky. <laughs> That's she's not just a meteorologist; she's a wizard. She's a wizard. Well, it is Helen Hunt, though. It is so. Helen Hunt. Yeah. Um. So a dry line, as you well know, with your meteorological degree, 
That's right, but I'm going to let you explain. <laughs> it's the difference between two air masses um, that have similar temperatures but different moisture contents. And so we often get this set up in the plains where we have hot, dry air coming from the desert um, in the western United States, and it will clash with the warm, moist air from the southeastern United States. Um, and so you have this difference, and there's an inherent density difference between dry air and moist air. And so when you have this boundary and the dry line advances east as it moves across, it tends to push up the less dense moist air in front of it, and you get this forcing, and all that you really need for convection to happen is a little push, and then those hot parcels of air will will lift the moisture will um, condense out of it. You get the latent heat of condensation adding to that rise. And it's sort of this cycle that feeds the thunderstorm. So, um, but you can't see a dry line. You can sort of tell where it is in that thunderstorms will set up just ahead of it. Um, but it's not something like, just like with cold fronts and warm fronts, there's not a physical line that you can see with your eyes. Um, so the fact that she can tell the dry line is stalled, which presumably means it's not moving in any direction, um, is pretty impressive. And I have to say. Well, like you um, said, she's Helen Hunt. She's a wizard. It's, so it's magic. She's um, able to do um, wonderful things. So what they're looking for is, is she tells him to scan uh, west-northwest. And so they're just looking at a particular section of the sky, presumably where that thunderstorm is. And they're using their Doppler radar. So you have radar, which sends out pulses of energy and then listens for that energy to be bounced back to it. With the Doppler radar, the special sort of added bonus is that not only do you get the return signal, but the extra information you can tell is how fast, what's, what's the difference in speed of that um, energy that's getting bounced back to you. And that gives you information about the reflector that's reflecting that energy back to you, how it's moving. So it gives you not only position, but motion of whatever you're looking at. So you can tell, is any part of the storm rotating away from you or towards you? And you can get a sense of how everything's moving. And that is what, when you get a Doppler indicated signature, that's Correct. what they're looking at. Yes, they can tell the individual pixels that are, are populated uh, on an actual computer screen, they're looking at which ones are moving towards the radar, which ones are moving away from the radar. And if if you're looking at one sector and not an entire radar footprint, they should all generally be moving in the same direction. So if you have two pieces small enough on that radar screen, that look like they're moving in op opposite directions, that might indicate some sort of um, rotation within the storm. Now, the storm itself is rotating. Supercell thunderstorms do rotate, but that's not the rotation they're looking for. They're looking for smaller scale rotation within the storm that might indicate some sort of tornado. So, yes, that's what they mean when they say Doppler indicated. Um, and that's known for hooks is what you see um, – Yes, if you've ever heard the phrase, a hook echo. Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to pull up. And this is actually on a, a store website, a meteorological store website. But there's usually a pretty, they have um, a very canvases that can be hung. And it is of um, imagery 
How would you want that? I, <laughs> I don't know. It seems sort of a morbid thing to want to well, buy. I mean, Presumably I'm not that saying that I'm buying it, but I'm just kind of showing it as someone's in, selling it. As a... At any rate, yes, that that's what that is. And one of the things she says there is, um, give me a sector scan, dryland stalled, give me a sector scan and increase the PRF. And PRF is pulse repetition frequency. It's how quickly are they sending out those repeated pulses. What a radar has to do is it has to send out a burst of energy and then it has to pause and listen for the bounce back, for the return, the echo. Um, And so a lower PRF or pulse repetition frequency gives you a longer time to listen back. So presumably you could see things on the radar that are farther away because you have a longer listening time. You can wait longer for an echo to be bounced back to you from something that's more distant. Now, in this case, they're looking at a storm that's relatively close to them. So they don't necessarily need to have a low PRF. They can increase the PRF. It allows you to send out more bursts of energy, get a higher resolution image, um, and sort of map out that storm that's close to you better. So that's why she's saying increase the PRF. That's an actual thing. She's using it correctly. Saying the dry line is stalled, not using that (laughs) correctly. The the right terminology, just the way that they're applying it or, or, you know, inferring how they're able to see it, not correct. But Mm -hmm. um, job well done because for just entertainment purposes, it it gets the job done. Sure. It's using the terminology that at least meteorologists would be familiar with. And it sounds technical. It sounds right, you know, to the layman's ears. And, you know, bravo, you didn't totally screw that up so <laughs> which we've already gotten to a few of the uh, writing errors um it's wh- bound to happen and, yeah it's gonna happen it, you know um what's his name the astrophysicist um that does that all the time for his uh he points out the the science stuff that movies get wrong all the time what what's why can't i think of his name i don't know carl sagan no no <laughs> carl sagan um cosmos <laughs> uh no 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 oh wow i'm like completely blank bill nye? his name no, no i love no, no. bill nye um oh, wow i just cannot think of it off the top of my head right now i'm very disappointed but um related back to the imagery that i showed of of the doppler uh the helicity.co site is a great site for um for, for meteorologists and people very interested in the weather. but And you mentioned about how, why would anyone want that? It's just kind of a, a morbid thing because those tornadoes are very well known for being super destructive um, and resulting in death. But when you think about it, storm chasing in general is kind of a, a morbid thing because you're going after stuff that is impacting the lives of everyone all the time. Well, but the reason for doing it and for having this is all in the name of science no one's celebrating the destruction it's all for um research purposes you know as you see in in the movie certainly storm chasers are uh, now it takes a certain breed of human to want to go chase a, a severe thunderstorm or a tornado certainly but in general they're doing it to gain some knowledge because right. there are some just that just like, do it for adrenaline. Just like the goal of this movie is to increase warning time. Right. That's always been the goal of this sort of research is to how do we make, how do we protect humankind from this? And so better prediction, better warning systems, all that. So that's why they chase storms, to, to gather data so we can understand the systems better. My point is somebody's making money off uh, off-selling images of 
of things that have caused destruction and just strikes me weird. Yes, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. That is exactly who I was trying to think better? of. I just could not pull his name out to save myself right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's always pointing out about scientific inaccuracies uh, in movies that, that everyone loves and I mean, some people enjoy and some people hate it. It probably depends it's, on what it's I think not, of the They're movie. not that far off. I, I Just the line that the dry line is stalled. And that is something that happens. Dry lines do stall. So that you said that's not wrong it's just that you wouldn't be able to tell that by standing on the roof of like, a van yeah, and looking exactly. at the sky yeah right right <laughs> that's all you're gonna need a little bit more more than that yeah i mean if you were looking at um multiple maps of of surface conditions through time you would be able to tell that but, um not just by you know licking your finger and sticking it up into the air and say yep that that dry line stalled that's just not how that works but we also see later we see bill just kind of crouch down and pick up some dirt <laughs> and like all of a sudden he knows exactly what's happening but we'll get into that uh, there is some uh, instinct later. there is right. some instinct no you're right but, absolutely there has to be the but again it's ones... not just the best ones believe the science, know the science, have the knowledge, but then there has to be that gut feeling, that instinct of what to do, and that's kind of what they allude to with Bill. So, right. Uh, I, I'm concerned just for continuity's sake in this scene. They have this giant supercell thunderstorm, and they seem to keep switching back and forth between like an overcast sky, a very blue sunny well, sky. We kind of mentioned that. It's like look how overcast it is behind Joe there. Yeah, you feel like that's why I always. We talked about already about wanting to kind of, you know, remake this or reboot it or make a, you know, a maybe even a sequel if you can get some of them to come back, but start the property over again. Because I feel Blue like I, ILM and the, the effects could do better, both with the Twisters, but also just that continuity here. Because it's mentioned, and, and the book that I was grabbing while you were just explaining some of the scientific terminology was The Making of Twister. Uh, book which I haven't gotten to read yet. I didn't own it until we started this, uh, but I thought it would be it would be a cool thing to have. But it talks about meteorology and tornadoes as much as it does the making of the movie Twister. But in it, they talk about and they're right there's a, a really, really awful shot of the beautiful blue skies. Mm -hmm. um, but they said it was tough to film, obviously this movie, but. Um, they had a problem not only trying to film in thunderstorms, but also having to film thunderstorms that didn't exist because they were having perfectly clear weather. So they had issues both in good and bad weather, and they didn't want too much of either of them. Uh, but they did their best, and it's fun. And it does at times take you out of it, and the, the continuity there, you wish that they were able to uh, make it a little more seamless, but Mother Nature doesn't exactly exactly cooperate in that way all the time. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, as this image, you know, she tells him to to give her a sector scan and increase the PRF. And then we see, we go into Dusty's barn burner here, mm -hmm. his his van. This Eric Clapton song uh, is not on the soundtrack. And it kills me that it's not. It's a great mm -hmm. song. Motherless Child, who doesn't love Eric Clapton. And every time this part of the movie comes on, you sing along. Show me your heart. Everybody sings along to that part, and I wish it was on the soundtrack. So, uh, it is a great soundtrack, but I wish right they pretty much they point skip, it out in yeah, the movie, right? But, and they don't even put it on the soundtrack, but yeah. it is, it's a great song. So we we mentioned him already because he's such a, an iconic actor. Philip Seymour Hoffman has done some great roles, and we get to see him here, as you mentioned, in his vehicle, the barn burner. He's got an Apple Watch too. <laughs> 
which I believe the barn burner, again, I don't know if it was the exact one in the movie, but a replica of it was also at the Universal Studios ride. So you had both um, uh, the barn burner and Belzer's, um, you know, kind of hippie uh, mural molester t- van. T- tornado mural van <laughs> um, at, at, in Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida at the, at the Twister ride. So, yeah, we meet Philip Seymour Hoffman, who plays um, Dustin Dusty Davis. Just seems dirty. Right. But, it I mean, they, they like did it so well. Yeah. Um, I, I love that he wears the University of Oklahoma hat throughout the, uh, the show. I love the uh, the vehicle um, that they come mm-hmm. up. Animometer on the front of it. Right. And then we get to see um, two more characters. Um, Alan Sanders here, played by Sean Whalen. He's the one drinking the water bottle. He, to me, looks like a grad student. You know, he's there uh, as a right-hand man for Alan Ruck's character, um, which is um, – I. Obviously, he had a regular name, but I don't know if they ever called him anything but Rabbit. But his name is Robert Nurick. Um, but yeah, Rabbit, uh, he's got a lot of uh, good lines or lines said about him. And, and, you know, Rabbit is good. Rabbit is wise is one of the one of the best ones. And we get to hear about Bob's Road. So, yeah. Was, he was on Sin City, right? Spin no, City. Spin City. Spin City. City. Yeah, Sin he City's was in Spin City. Spin City. Obviously, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is, is a big one um, for him. And... Uh, what I know he was in. Oh, he's in Speed too, uh, which is Jan Ah, uh, that's, right, that's right. He so, he was uh, the tourist uh, on the bus. Yeah, and uh, I and I, obviously a few other things as well. Uh, one of the um, more famous background characters, as you're going to get here in Twister, um, Sean Whalen's character. I don't know him from much else. Apparently, he was in Never Been Kissed and had a little bit of a role in Superstore. But again, um, whenever I see him is in this movie, Twister. Was he so. in Friends? Was he in Friends? He was Friends? a pizza delivery boy in Friends? Oh, he was. You're right. You're welcome. Uh, an early, yeah, an <laughs> early one. Um, this is going to go back into the early 90s because they, I think he's the pizza delivery boy for the George Stephanopoulos, right? Is it, yeah, you know, yeah, he, yeah. He lives across. Yeah. Right? Isn't that that episode? Um yeah, pizza guy, the one with George Stephanopoulos. Yeah, yep. so he is the pizza pizza delivery guy for an episode of Friends. Uh, you know, blink and you miss it. Essentially, Still. for him there. No, that's good. That, that's a good. That that's a good from. pull. That's a good pull. Uh, you're right about that. Um, we hear um, Rabbit is uh, lecturing him um, on his. Uh, I don't know. Actually, did I say his name, Alan Sanders? I think I might have at the be- beginning. So Rabbit is lecturing Alan here about folding the maps and how you don't want to do it because now he creases uh, Nebraska and Ancient Wichita. Bugs Bunny shirt. <laughs> and um, you got Walkman on his hip. <laughs> That's um, a nice Walkman. <laughs> so I think one of my favorite things here is, um, you know, it, it dates the movie. The big computers will do it. Um, the cars at times, so the Dodge Ram doesn't look all that different, I think, than the ones nowadays. Of course, I'm not yeah. a big truck guy, but... Um, Using maps. <laughs> Who uses a paper map anymore? I I mean, I'm sure people have them maybe in the cars in case uh, GPS network, cell phones stopped working. But when was the last time you pulled out a map to use to navigate that wasn't digital? Uh, I don't even know the answer to that question. Probably pre, I mean, at least pre-2005, if not maybe pre-2000. Because, yeah, of course, it, it hurts that we were only, like, beginning drivers at, at that point. Um, we I mean, I remember it being distance. a big deal when we got a GPS as well, a family. Well, we – I mean, we didn't own a GPS until um, 
we moved to Indiana after Penn State. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's in the later 2000s. But even then, like, I wasn't really going anywhere that I needed a map. Well, that was still at the point where we started the transition from actual roadmaps to GPS was where you were printing out MapQuest directions, and that's kind of where, where we were. Listen, you know I don't trust MapQuest directions. Well, well, turn left. Where? <laughs> and then the direction just ended, and we were stuck in New Jersey. In Princeton. So, yeah. Didn't even get to see the play. Tough subject. We ate it's at a Panera's, and then we went home. We did. Drove two hours. Yeah, it was, it's tough. Thanks, Jersey. Thanks a lot. Nothing good happens in Jersey. Nothing good happens in so Jersey. So Bill and Melissa show up. It's a big to-do. He's surprised to see the storm chasers. I'm not really sure why exactly he's surprised to see them. If you're meeting someone in the middle of a field in Oklahoma and you were a storm chaser, do you think Joe's just like, we'll meet at this point right here? <laughs> I bet you she, know gave him, she gave him GPS coordinates. Oh, you think that's what happened? Yeah. But yeah. then he had the he had to like get out the... 40.6 north. Right. But then he had to pull up the map and he had to figure it out. And... Well, yeah, but that's what they did then. So right. it's fine. He probably had an abacus in the back that he calculated how long it would take him to get there. Is that what you think? Yeah. Why are the lights on the roof of that truck not spaced evenly? Well, there's usually one on the outside and then three in the middle. Why? Why do they do it like that? Oh, I don't know. I don't like I, I, When you first said it, I was thinking that there were like three on the left, two on the right. But no, it's one, three, one, I believe. Yeah, I don't care for it. Why would you not just space them out evenly? What's the problem? I don't know. Ugh. I, there's so many things I want to say about the truck, but I know like we have to wait till we get it to the part in the movie because I don't want to spoil any future discussions. But yeah, so I think we covered minute uh, minute eight pretty good. It was a it was a good minute. It was a good minute. Lots of introductions. And we got to talk. You mentioned a lot about the meteorology meteorology referenced uh, at the beginning by uh, Joe to Belzer, and uh, yeah, good stuff. Anything else to say about uh, minute eight? No, none. Nothing at all. Not at the moment, huh? So, um, don't like his sports coat. <laughs> like the sports coat. Um, now a lot more dialogue is going to happen uh, coming up in minute nine. And um, I think we may be getting one of our uh, one of the famous quotes coming up in in the next minute um, from Dusty. So great. We shall see. Are you trying to read the license plate? Yeah, something, 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 something. Forever is yeah. all I can see. So we need a high res cut of the movie. I'm not right. sure if there's a, a a 4K Ultra HD version that that you might be able to read. That we're just streaming it here. So. We shall see. We shall see. All right. Well, for Kelly um, and Joe, that's me. Thanks for listening to the Solid F2 podcast. And we'll be back again sometime soon with minute number nine. Thanks for listening to the Solid F2 podcast a minute-by-minute breakdown of the movie Twister. That's all for this week. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SolidF2Pod. Solid F2 Podcast is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. Visit jmnjrradio.com for more.